Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, good evening, everybody. How's everybody doing? I hope you said great. One more day closer to Friday. Isn't that great? This week went pretty fast, I think. Anyway, my name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is California Haunts Radio. And I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state, which means if you think you have a paranormal need, whether it's UFOs, UAPs, you know, ghosties, or whatever, we can get to you. It might take us a while. Because California is a huge state. I think a lot of people don't realize that. Huge state, lots of rural areas. But in the meantime, if, if, if it is, if you feel that you have maybe a, a ghostly thing going on in your house, um, we have to, uh, mediums on staff. I know they hate the word psychic. We have mediums on staff excuse me, who could call ahead of time. And, and in most cases, they, they calm the activity down just so we can get out there. Okay? Because, I mean, we don't want you tormented about it, you know, by what's going on either or scared. So they're able to calm the, the 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 ghost in the house down, and then we can make it out to your place and, and do, do our thing out, out in the field. So uh, be sure to look for us here on Facebook under California Haunts. You can find me over on uh, Instagram under Ghosty Gal. That's all lowercase. You can find me on you can find us on Twitter under Cal Haunts. You can find us at Twitch under Cal Haunts, and you can find us at TikTok under California Haunts. So. There's, there's a lot of options to find us. That being said, um, if you're watching from Facebook today and you, and you feel you like what you saw and you haven't done so already, click that follow button because we're always looking to expand our followers. Also, uh, give me some thumbs up. Get, you know, give me some smiles. Give me some happy faces. And that goes for YouTube as well because the, the, the more of those you give, the higher up in, in the in those algorithms that we go, and that means that the video instead of sitting stagnant, just at a lower level, gets put out there to the public more. Okay, so that's what we're shooting for is to have have a lot of people see these videos. Okay, so yeah, and again over YouTube, if you haven't done so already, um, you, you feel free to subscribe. We've got more than 621 videos sitting over there, and they're all different topics. I'm a journalist, photojournalist, and I don't like to focus on the same topic all the time. So I will do uh, newsworthy, you know, regular news happening items and things like that. So I'm sure you'll find something that you like. And I've, I've taken the liberty, and I'm still in the process of doing it, I've taken the liberty of putting all those 681 videos in individual file, file folders under topic. So if there's a particular topic you, you want to see, like, for instance, today's show, uh, you know, that's going to be filed under uh, UFOs and alien abductions. Okay, just go, go to that folder and boom, you just find it. Just like Ghosts and Hauntings, same thing. So it's a lot easier for you guys to find the topics. The other thing I ask of you is if you do go over there and you look through those topics, please let me know if you think something should be moved elsewhere because, you know, I, I kind of didn't put the right, to you know, need the right topic or if I have to create another topic, you know, as far as the folders go. So please let me know. Please let me know. Okay, Mike, now let's shift to the current show. My guest today is Gerard Artson. I hope I said his name correctly. And he's got an interesting story to tell. There's a gentleman named George Adamski, and I don't know if you guys have heard about him, and I'm just going to smooth over this and let, and let Gerard tell you more about him. But he, had, he took some unique photos back in the 50s, 
And I think you're, the, the story of these photos and what, what transpired afterwards is going to be interesting to you guys in that um, even with what I do as a ghost hunter, there's always a debunker out there. Um, there's always someone, you know, you, you take a photo and there's always somebody out there to say, oh, no, I think it's this. And, you're, and you stand there adamantly and go, no, 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 nothing was in the photo when, it, you know, when I snapped the picture. But there's always someone out to debunk it. And they'll recreate it, you know. Just they'll try to recreate it, just just to, just to debunk it. Just people that do that stuff. Um, last night, as I read through the material that uh, Gerard sent me, I got really it was really interesting. And in that, even though we don't have the uh, copyright to, to show these these videos and photos, I was fascinated by 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 one group of photos, actually two, and it involved that that Navy jet sighting back what was it last year the year before so i want to let him tell you about that but I, that, that caught my eye and then there was another one done through the palomar telescope and that was fascinating because it coincides with something this gentleman did so anyway i'm going to bring him on and we'll start the story and uh here we go good evening sir hello charlotte charlotte yes sir how are you good how are you I'm good, thanks. It's evening here. It's it's a, a relatively early morning there. I understand. Yeah. So tell me about you, sir. I'm sorry. Tell me about you. Um, I'm a I'm a teacher trainer in Amsterdam at the School of Education, and uh, our students uh, will be uh, teachers of English in secondary schools here in Holland. Um, and besides that, I've been a student of the Aces Wisdom Teaching for over f 45 years now. Um, and before I became a teacher trainer, I worked as a translator. But I've always been interested in the esoteric side of things. And uh, I became interested in uh, George Adamski's uh, story, uh, properly interested in the in the in the noughties of this century when I learned about his uh, early uh, his early uh, writings, um, and uh, that's when I started investigating, researching, and and writing and publishing. Hmm. Uh, and I have now eight books to my name, and the latest uh, is the Adamski book of uh, UFO UAP disclosure, in which I present seven exhibits, as I call them. Um, showing that um, fundamental aspects that George Adamski already published in the 1950s, sometimes earlier, mm -hmm. um, and that are now being confirmed from various sites. You know, the Pentagon, the scientists, uh, UFO disclosure activists, uh, science philosophers. Um, it's it's uh, really amazing to see how well his story has kept up. Uh, if you really look at at uh, at the substance of his uh, of his accounts and his information and his teaching, uh, despite the um, the debunking efforts that started really in 1955, I find it interesting in that he was one of the first people to actually go public with stuff. You know, and I don't. He I don't was the first. Yeah, he was, was the first. first. And I find it also interesting because he, he was using what a six-inch telescope with a box camera. Right. Yes. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, debunkers will say that Adamski 
went into the flying saucer business in the 1950s because that was the in thing. But in fact, he ha already had a, a telescope in 1938. It was a gift from one of his uh, supporters at the time. He worked as a as a metaphysics teacher in Laguna Beach, California. Mm -hmm. um, and um, his interest in space was uh, started uh, very early on, well before the, you know flying saucers became a popular topic, and well before the Foo Fighter sightings of the Second World War and and the Roswell crash in 1947, or Kenneth Arnold's sightings over Washington State. Um, he published a, uh, a pamphlet in 1946 about the possibility of life on other planets. Uh, he published uh, an account of out-of-body uh, travels uh, in 1949 called Pioneers of Space, which also, of course, uh, was uh, uh, people have, uh, have tried to debunk. And I've, I've shown in recent publications that uh, there's every reason to take that seriously. Um, and uh, yes, so he's uh, he was the first to come forward with his uh, account. He was, according to people's accounts, he was not the first to have been contacted in, in say, our modern age. Um, I think that honor goes to Daniel Fry, who uh, writes about his experience, contact experience in 1950. Mm -hmm. But he only published his story in 1945 after Adamski had already become a household name mm -hmm. almost worldwide um, because his story came out uh, four days after his contact happened in uh, on the 20th of November in 1952. Um, this is when he and six of his friends set out into the California desert, Coxcomb Mountains. Um, they were hoping to spot some craft uh, saucers or mother motherships, cigar-shaped uh, large craft, huge craft. Um, so they were set out for a picnic and uh, they, uh, they uh, parked by the side of the road. Um, and uh, around noon on that day, uh, they uh, they first spotted a, a large cigar-shaped craft, and this was actually also um, spotted by the military and entered as special report number fourteen in the uh, uh, Project Blue Book, mm -hmm. uh, which of course was meant mainly to uh, to uh, uh, debunk and discount the whole right. UFO phenomenon. But right. nevertheless, it was spotted. Uh, Adamski and his friends uh, saw some smaller craft as he calls them scout craft emerging from the from the mothership and uh, one of these uh, landed not far uh, from their their the site where they were picnicking by the side of the road and adamski decided to go over and uh, and uh, investigate his friend stayed by the side of the road but kept um, you know, kept uh, an eye on him. What they 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 were able to see what transpired as he approached um, the the craft that was sticking out from behind the hill. They could see the craft, and and uh, it also shows in one of his uh, photographs that has recently been enhanced, and, and mm -hmm. it, it's become very clear. Um, and um, Adamski admiring this this ship. This this uh, this flying saucer, unknown craft, you know, looked like nothing that is known was known on Earth, mm -hmm. um, and, and he was in awe. 
And suddenly he, reala he realized he was in the company of someone who was uh, stood just, uh, I don't know, uh, um, 10, 20, maybe 30 yards uh, away. Don't remember, he describes it in his, in his part of the book, Flying Sources Have Landed. Mm -hmm. um, and there he sees a very human looking being, um, but according to his description, much more perfect in physical appearance than say the average uh, um, human being on earth mm -hmm. and they engage in an exchange mainly telepathically um, later on uh, from february 1953 onward he will have more and, and regular contacts with the same person but also with other people from uh, from spacecraft um and uh, uh, he yeah he describes them as you know just as varied as uh, as people on Earth. Uh, some are light skinned, others are darker skinned, mm -hmm. um, male, female, uh, what have you. Uh, you know, d d short, tall, um, everything. Uh, so very very um, familiar looking. Mm -hmm. uh, except this uh, this person tells him, and and on those later occasions he. Uh, he finds that uh, they do actually speak and they uh, they make a point of learning the language of the people of the country where they will land or seek to contact uh, people. Interesting. Um, and they also have, and this was uh, confirmed in, in accounts from several other contactees, they also have a device that helps them translate uh, um, uh, to communicate with the terrestrials when, for instance, they've not yet mastered the language. Um, mm. And um, so on that first occasion, the exchange was mainly telepathic. Uh, and that was, according to Adamski, as he found out later, to test his abilities. Was he sensitive enough, telepathically sensitive enough to, uh, uh, to be able to do that? Because through telepathy, of course, information comes across much more Undisturbed, in fact, completely undisturbed. You know, it's a mind-to-mind -mind communication. It's, it's not through words, and words, as we know, can hide or obscure, or can be interpreted differently by by different people. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, that was a test, he said, and uh, his his uh, uh, yeah his contact informed him that he came from Venus. And wow. of course, that's very, uh, very interesting because our probes, even our latest probes, don't even find mon monocellular life on, right. on the surface of Venus. So how is that possible? Um, and of course, that, that uh, ties in with uh, Fermi's paradox that many people may have heard of. You know, uh, logic uh, commands that there must be thousands if not millions of um, evolved intelligences around the universe so why haven't we found them any of them right right yeah well and this is where my background as a student of the ages wisdom uh, comes in handy uh, because the ages wisdom tells us that above beyond the uh, the three physical planes of matter that we know, the solid physical and the liquid and the gaseous physical, there are four further planes of, uh, of matter, subtle matter, uh, which are actually beyond our range of vision. Just as, you know, some sound frequencies, uh, quite a lot of sound frequencies, uh, lie beyond our hearing range. 
You know, right. some, some frequencies can be heard by animals or dogs, uh, but not by us. Right. Uh, same with, with uh, light, different frequencies of light are completely, you know, beyond our range of vision. And uh, interestingly, of course, uh, as science has been telling us, astrophysics, based on their calculation of the mass of the universe, they say that 96% of the universe, they can't pinpoint it. They can't, they can't point out where it is. Uh, they, they do see the instant interstellar gases and, and uh, all. And if they add everything up, all the planets and the stars and, and the gases and what have you, everything that they can see and pinpoint, that only amounts to 4% of the universe, according to their own calculations. So to me, it makes every sense that the um, information coming from the Asia's Wisdom teachings, that there's higher planes of matter that we can't see um, would, you know, would indicate where extraterrestrial life may be found. It also but, explains why UFOs, you know, they're not generally visible. Right. They're visible when they want to be seen, when they're ready to be seen. Um, and they can be gone in, in an instant, not by speeding away. They're just gone <laughs> out of vision or they've dropped into, into our view. And uh, according to, uh, you know, the information, again, from the wisdom teachings and also from, uh, from uh, the accounts of, of other contactees, this is because the, the visitors are capable of, uh, through, you know, let's, let's call it flicking a switch, mm -hmm. uh, to lower the rate of vibration of the, their atoms so mm -hmm. that they do fall into our view, their craft or their bodies. Um, and if they want to be gone, they want to be invisible, they just return to their original state uh, in an instant. So, you know, it explains so much. Um, and, and uh, for instance, some UFOs are seen as shiny metallic objects, very solid. Right. Others have been seen as nebulous cloud shapes you know of course they they're called lenticular clouds but uh, maybe lenticular clouds aren't clouds at all mm -hmm. um and uh, uh, you know others have been seen as as lights in the sky so there's different stages in which they are they allow themselves to be seen and uh, yeah adamski see you you said you're interested in these photographs and, and we can talk about that because they are interesting and they show um, that Adamski was was uh, recording the same craft that uh, the Pentagon is now admitting these are real. But what is more interesting is that um, in, in recent years, uh, scientists have been looking into the nature of reality. You know, where, where does our objective reality come from? Mm -hmm. um, I've, I, I've just pulled out some books from my own bookcase that I use also for my own, for my own research. Is consciousness primary? Uh, here, Professor Laszlo, what is reality? Mm -hmm. um, these scientists have concluded that at the basis of our uh, objective reality is consciousness. There's a field of consciousness from which Everything that we regard as, as physical, objective, um, uh, is actually is a, a shadow emerges from this universal field of consciousness. 
And you know what? Guess who was teaching this in the 1930s? Wow. George Adamski. He was in his first in his first publication, The Invisible Ocean. George Adamski was teaching exactly that. Um, so you know, yes, people see people want to be convinced. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that may or may not happen through photographs or through anomalous materials. Uh, one chapter in my book deals with anomalous materials that Adamski showed in uh, 1954. He said he picked them up uh, when he was first invited on board a flying saucer in February 1953. Little pieces that were thrown out by the pilot of the, of the flying saucer that he was getting into. Um, and um, in my book, I, I quote Professor Gary Nolan from Stanford University, who was asked by the Pentagon to analyze uh, very similar looking anomalous materials related to UFO uh, sightings. So people want, and that's interesting because people want uh, evidence and they want physical or visible, uh, uh, you know, they want to be convinced Mm -hmm. through physical objects or photographs. But of course, Unless you've gone through um, through the experience of sighting an actual flying saucer or having been contacted, um, there will always be people for whom no amount of evidence presented by someone else will be enough. Right. right. Uh, yeah. you know, so it's and and I'm sure you have the same experience with your with your ghost hunting. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What type of person was he? What, what type of personality did, did, did he have? Hmm. I did. I haven't. I didn't know George Damsky personally. Of course, he died in 1965. I was only what uh, seven or eight years old then, and living on the other side of the planet. Um, was born and raised here in Holland. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, from the accounts, uh, it appears that he was a very. Um, um, uh, uh, what you call a very friendly and easygoing character, uh, was very easy to relate to. Who was always accessible to people. He was always ready to share his experiences. Um, but at the same time, he was also um, very much uh, res- um, aware of his responsibility. He was, um, as he told one uh, one close associate, he received information from both sides of the fence, not only from his contacts from space, but also uh, from um, government sources. So he had close contacts with government sources in Washington, D.C., um, and he was also privy to uh, information that was not to be shared publicly. So he was very good at uh, keeping his mouth shut when he needed to, and sometimes that led to, you know, when he was giving lectures or answering questions in interviews, that it seemed as if he, as if he was just blabbering or, you know, not being straightforward. But he had his own, yeah, he, he, was, he was very good at, at keeping secrets, um, the, the secrets that needed to be kept. Otherwise, you know, when you read his books, uh, most of all of which were uh, written for him, because he never had much uh, in the way of uh, formal education, but uh, he's always had uh, people writing uh, his 
publications for him, you know, just as most celebrities or former right. presidents nowadays uh, use right. uh, ghost writers for their memoirs. Um, <laughs> and again, you know, that has been used by debunkers. Uh, see, he's fake. Uh, he didn't write his own books. Well, you know, uh, so many people do that. That's uh, that's no proof of anything. Um, and uh, yeah, so he um, he was a very amenable, personable uh, guy. He he loved jokes. He loved the drink. He was, uh, I believe, almost a chain smoker, um, <laughs> which is not not particularly my hobby anymore. But uh, right. you know, he was he was a he was a a real guy. Um, he was. Uh, uh, that said, he was a real guy. He was born in uh, in what is now Poland, and mm -hmm. came to uh, the United States with his uh, 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 family, his father and mother, and his sister, who had been born before they uh, immigrated to the States. In mm -hmm. uh, when was it? 1995, I believe, um, around that time. Um, and uh, yeah, 1995, um, and um, uh, lost the uh, uh, thread of my uh, <laughs> what I was uh, lost. What I was going to say. Oh, never mind. But well, the, thing, uh, the thing that you know, I'm trying to get out to people is that this is not some flake that's going to make stuff up. I mean, this is this guy. Like, like you say, he wrote these books on, on these different topics. So he's 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 not he's not dumb and he's not he's not a guy that's going to make stuff up. No, he was he had like I said he had little formal education, but um, in his case, uh, you know that that was a really an asset because he was open to um, not only impressions but also to telepathic communication. He, uh, you know, he was I would say someone who was spiritually quite evolved um, and um, uh, you know many of the researchers UFO researchers through the decades especially since his death who have intellectualized the whole topic of, of UFOs and extraterrestrial visitors they have obscured they have muddled and, and, and muddied uh, the whole field with their theories because if they had just looked at Adamski's writings, rather than taking his debunkers' uh, efforts uh, seriously, they would have had a much better understanding of the whole subject that they've been writing volume after volume about, none of which really contributes to um, um, to our understanding of, of the fact of the extraterrestrial presence or the, or the visitors from space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What struck me last night going through that stuff was, like you say, the the photo, the photo of the of, of the of the dark. Well, I'm gonna say dark, kind of like dark shape, dark shape of the what what looks to be a flying saucer at, near the moon, and then the comparison of what you had from the photo, you know, the, the photo still from the video from the uh, navy plane, because it's the same object. Well, it's the same type of object, you know, object that they're getting. Yeah. And I find it interesting because, like you say, he had so many debunkers back then. That it's taken this long to figure all this stuff out. Yeah, it's 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 amazing, but it's it is because well the, the debunking began in 1955 mm -hmm. through Jim Mosley, um, um, and uh, mysteriously, Jim Mosley he was a well-known figure, a debunker in his day already, 
um, he posed as a as the skeptical UFO researcher. Um, but he was just, as he later admitted, trying to cause as much confusion in the field of flying sources as possible. Mm-hmm. But on his on his uh, page on Wikipedia, his debunking of Adamski is still listed as or hailed as uh, uh, the first um, um, serious uh, analysis of of the Adamski material. And it's complete rubbish. And it's by now it's been completely refuted. Um, the photo that you that you referred to um, was taken in 1950, and uh, Adamski took several photos. He started taking photos, I believe, in 1946, in an effort to capture these uh, these uh, spacecraft. Um, and this this one in particular shows a very clear saucer shaped craft against the moon. In my book, I use next to the uh, uh, video still from from uh, US Navy. Uh, I've used an inverted version of that of that Adamski photograph to make it come out black, the shape black against the light face of the moon. Um, whereas the uh, the craft in the in the uh, navy uh, uh, video still uh, was taken through an infrared camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know the there's no details visible uh, in in either of these photos, but the Similarity in the shape mm-hmm. is just astounding, and, and even in, in even in, in with that with much lower resolution and, and no possibility for digital enhancement, in Adamski's crude 1950s photograph, you can discern a slight force field around the craft that is also visible in the uh, U.S. Navy uh, video. Still, it's it's fascinating. It is fascinating, and. I can see, you know, for because you know, of course, I have to have debunkers on my team to kind of balance things out on my, you know, and I, I can see how the debunkers would go after this stuff, because I mean, he, I mean, there was nothing like this out there, at all, and no. here he was getting these photos, and when you think about the antiquated equipment he was using, being a box camera, in fact, it looked awkward to me. You know, he must have had that telescope balanced really well, because I know with my telescopes that I have, you know, just. Put, just just putting on an extra camera on there can start can start it moving forward like this. So he must have had uh, you know that, that thing balanced out because that camera is not real small. Mm. Um, well, this was actually a small box camera. Okay, um, it looks bigger uh, than when you see the photo. It looks it looks big, it looks fairly good size. Uh huh. Well, yeah, you've seen the photo of uh, yeah. Adamski with his telescope and and, yeah. uh, and the box camera on it. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, well, I don't know, maybe something like this. Yeah, yeah. Um, he'd been he'd been using that at least since 1946, maybe even earlier. I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, so you know, and and uh, uh, he he says that the, the six-inch uh, telescope he liked very much, and he was asked by uh, people at the uh, what was it again? Um, um, some laboratory. Uh, let me see if I can find it uh, quickly. Um, some laboratory um, to be, uh, he was asked if if he could help in photographing uh, the craft because it was much easier to maneuver this okay. six inch telescope. Uh, here here it is. Um, uh, oh yeah, the Point Loma Navy Electronics Laboratory in San Diego. 
uh, two people uh, came up to him at one point to, to ask uh, in 1949, I believe, if he, if he could help uh, trying to catch these mysterious craft from photographs. Of course, that was also debunked, as I described in, in that chapter. Right. Um, and uh, uh, the, uh, the person uh, that Adamski identified later came forward saying, oh, no, it was all a load of bull. It wasn't, uh, uh, you know, it was all made up by Adamski right. um, in 1988. But 33 years earlier, he had already been asked by Jim Mosley um, about his, uh, uh, his encounter with Adamski and how much was true of that. And then he only or mostly denied uh, one detail that Adamski had, uh, had written about a, a UFO landing in Mexico City. He hmm. didn't deny the whole story in 1955, but he did in 1988. You know, so and and you see that all the time with uh, people who had an official function in the military or in some scientific capacity, and especially as you know the years went on in the late 1950s and the 1960s, these people couldn't afford to be associated with UFOs or or Adamski anymore. Because Adamski had been he'd been murdered in terms of his character, he'd been uh, he'd been derided and defiled, and, and and nothing was left of him in in the in terms of respect in the scientific community right. or the media, right? Um, and 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 uh, increasingly so in the field of UFO research, mm-hmm. um, but um, you know, and so they they whatever they had said or confirmed to Adamski in earlier years, they now had to deny. And that has happened many, many times. You know, the other photos I thought were interesting too were the uh, photos that he took of the uh, of just the night sky with the mm-hmm. uh, three, ob- the, I think there's three objects in there. And, you know, Palomar Observatory picked up the three objects as well. Well, I, I I wouldn't say and I wouldn't claim that they are the same three objects. Well, I mean, um, yeah, in the, but in the same area, um, or even the same area. What What's interesting in those photographs is that Adamski's first publication before he his first uh, book came out, or before the first report of his uh, first encounter appeared in November 1952, he had uh, an article in Fate magazine. Um, I'm sure you're aware, you're familiar with Fate magazine, yes, yes. Um, and uh, very popular also in the 1950s. And uh, it was illustrated with several photographs, very early photographs that Adamski took, um, also in 1950. And one of these showed the moon uh, with a formation of what he saw as four lights, uh, just near near the moon, um, and. In my book, I've, I only use the detail from that photo to focus in on those on that light formation. Um, and in letters to to a student in the 1950s, Adamski writes, "Yes, you know, I've taken photographs of this craft, and uh, I've been told that uh, people on top on the Palomar Observatory, they've also uh, photographed these ships, but of course they uh, won't tell us about it because they work for them; they're uh, affiliated with the military." And only last year, through uh, research done into early space photography, um, uh, it has now been found that in the 19, in 1950, 
um, they found photographs taken by um, the Hale telescope in the, at the Palomar Observatory uh -huh. um, of a part of the sky with a formation of what looks like three free lights that weren't there and aren't there in, uh, 15 minutes later or 70 years later. Uh -huh. So they were there only for that short period of time that the photograph was taken and then disappeared, which is astrophysically, that's not possible. Right. Uh, or, or at least these researchers ruled out any, any uh, possibility of any other possibility. And they said, these must have been extraterrestrial artifacts, read, craft, or whatever it could be. And so Adamski was not only um, proven correct in, in, in what he wrote to his students, but he also had photographs to show. And there's some really cool photographs there. That close-up that he has, <laughs> excuse me, that close-up that he has of, of, of the spacecraft is also interesting. Because yeah. the, the, then that editor of that paper uh, tried you know, make the attempt to debunk that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, Adamski, in, in uh, December 1953, he, I, that's how I see it, he was given the privilege of taking these close-ups. This was, as I understand it, also taken through his telescope and his box camera mounted on the telescope of this uh, scout craft hovering over, you know, his the, uh, the part of uh, Palomar Mountain where he and his group were, were living, uh -huh. working. Um, and these are, these have incredible detail. And this is, these are the photos that Damski became famous for. And uh -huh. they have been published in, um, in Inside the Spaceships, his uh, second uh, book about flight sources, so to speak. Um, and then there was this, uh, of course, Excuse me. Of course, there's people who are envious um, um, or just in disbelief that anybody would be able to take such clear photographs. You know, and critics have set up their argument for many. Now it's becoming harder to to uh, ignore or dismiss with the uh, Pentagon admission that these are actual real things that are right. even being recorded by high-tech 21st century equipment mm -hmm. um but um you know critics have always said um you know uh, blurry photographs prove nothing you know it's probably a drone or or a weather balloon at the time um and detailed photographs prove nothing you know they're so detailed they must be faked right well right. you know so they, they win the argument right away um <laughs> And, and so they, they, people couldn't believe, at least they, uh, the disbelievers couldn't believe that anybody would be able or allowed to take such clear photographs, close-ups. And uh, in my book, I've only used the one next to a model that was then built by the editor of, of uh, another magazine at the time, Yankee Magazine, uh, that looks very much like the thing that Adamski photographed Mm -hmm. And it was then presented by Jim Mosley as proof that Adamski faked his photos. Mm. <laughs> I mean, uh, where do you start? Where do you start? You know, and there's many other photos and, and many other people, many people through the years have, through orthogeny and, and all kinds of things that are, are really way out of my field of expertise to show right. that Adamski's photographs were really real. 
you know, long before you had apps on mobile phones, which mm -hmm. let you add um, spacecraft in, in, the, in your photos or your selfies, long right. before um, CGI possibilities, Adamski takes these photographs. And experts at the time, photographic experts, not just one, but a whole host of them, all agreed this must have been the real thing. Uh -huh. And the skeptics said, no, it was the top of a chicken room. No, it was a tobacco humidor. No, it was the top of a lantern. You know, they never agreed on exactly what item he photographed, um, but the photographic experts said it must have been the real thing. Uh, who do we believe? That's right. Why do you think um, people are so afraid of disclosure? Um, I think people in general wouldn't be afraid of disclosure. They are definitely unprepared because of the uh, disinformation campaign that has been uh, waged has been waged since right. uh, the late 1950s, when you know the public showed a real interest in uh, in the stories of the contactees who all said who all said they had been asked to warn humanity, not just the, the mm -hmm. Americans, but humanity, people on this planet, against further conflict, against, you know, the, the and, and warned against the threat of nuclear annihilation. Mm -hmm. um, and the people who are afraid of disclosure are the people who have the most to lose. Mm -hmm. And those are the people in the defense industry, in the fossil fuel industry. The people with the economic power, um, you know that uh, that uh, um, that well, I you can't say they rule the world, but they do rule the markets. You know, we have been led to believe in the last uh, 40, 50 years that uh, uh, the free markets will are, are basically the best uh, way to secure democracy. You know, through uh, through uh, neoliberalism. Mm -hmm. um, um, but free markets are not free. Free markets are free for the people with uh, an advantage who come into the market with a position of economic power. When you come into the, there's never been a level playing field. Field. Mm -hmm. um, so um, those with the most to lose, um, they don't want. The, the you know general the, the average human being the general population to know that life is not limited to planet earth they don't want us to know that life is in fact a universal occurrence mm -hmm. okay. through if if our physical objective reality is merely a shadow of an underlying field of consciousness life lies at, at, the, at the foundation of that consciousness. Mm -hmm. So there is only life. Even, even our planet is a living entity. And we are the human race or the human kingdom is an, you could compare it to an organ in that mm -hmm. living entity. Um, the animal kingdom is another organ in that entity and we all depend on each other. And that's right. why the present time is so dangerous because you, our intellectual abilities allow us to to exploit the planet to exhaust its natural resources to pollute um, mm -hmm. our our own environment on which we depend for our for our you know uh, existence mm -hmm. our, our breath 
um, and um, and and interestingly, in terms of information and communication technology, we are now we now accept since the 1990s uh, that the world is connected. Mm. Now, we know in an instant what happens on the other side of the world, whether it's something important or something completely trivial. Um, we know it in an instant through our social media. But the same the same um, notion um, hasn't hasn't really dawned on us when it comes to our moral and ethical view of each other and right. of our connection to the planet. And this is the dangerous part. And this is where it is so essential that we do have disclosure, that we do realize that life is universal, it is interconnected. Nothing that happens here can happen without it having an effect in the rest of the solar system. Mm -hmm. uh, it's even a scientific fact, you know, it's called entanglement. And, and uh, Einstein referred to it as a, a spooky action in, at a distance. And that refers only to, you know, how particles relate to each other. Um, but even if they are as far removed as, uh, you know, being on this side and on the other right. side of the universe. but um, and, and that's what really what it is. And we all depend on the same life breath that that flows through not only our planet, but through through the solar system and the universe and the visitors. And that's the whole point. You know, George Adamski said, and um, let me just uh, look it up. He, he said in, uh, I believe it was 1955. Um, here it is. Uh, the main thing is not the question of sources my experiences or anybody else's the main thing is what is really transpiring in this world that is more important than any individual or phenomena that's taking place at this moment so he realized the flying saucers or ufos or uaps or whatever you want to call them are not here the space visitors um, are not here to present us with a nice paranormal enigma to right. keep our curiosity going. They right. are here to instill on us the fact that life is universal, that we are part of a, of a greater whole, of, a, of, a, of an eternal whole. Um, and, and we need to realize our part and our, our responsibility in, in that whole. Um, and, and that is why they are here. And that is why um, you know, they've been contacting people. People have been ridiculed, of course, by the powers that be. To keep them from uh, from being taken seriously, um, but you know it's not just George Adamski. Uh, in the United States alone, in the 1950s, I, I, I noticed uh, in your introduction, uh, you said you had your your videos on your YouTube channel categorized, and mm -hmm. and this video would go under UFOs and abductions. Well, mm -hmm. you know, let me ask you. Sure. In the 1950s. Um, we had the contactees, George Adamski, Daniel Fry, Buck Nelson, Truman Bethlehem, Howard Menger, and, and a host of others. That's just the United States. There's been many, uh, you know, around the world, some of which whose accounts have been translated into English. None of them talked about having been abducted. They were invited on board. Okay. When do we hear about the first abduction story? Well, after the public interest was raised for the message, uh, the extraterrestrial message 
um, you know, to to call on on humanity to to work for international cooperation to solve our problems mm -hmm. rather than nuclear conflict. Mm -hmm. When that started to concern the authorities, uh, they started the disinformation campaign. And part of that disinformation campaign was to distort the public perception, um, scare and confuse the public. Exactly. Among other things, by inserting these stories of alien abductions and cattle mutilations. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that people didn't have these experiences, because right. many people have come forward with these experiences. Right. What I'm saying is that these experiences have nothing to do with extraterrestrials, with visitors from space. These, uh, in some cases, they may, and people have used the term abduction because that was the, you know, the uh, uh, the everyday vernacular, the everyday terminology that had become you know, um, uh, typical to talk about these things. Uh -huh. um, but they weren't really abductions. They were, the people were invited. And these stories of abductions, the first story of an abduction appeared in 1961. And many, many followed, thousands and thousands of them followed, with sometimes with, with really horrific uh, tales of um, of uh, you know people having been probed and, and tested on and, and hybrid breeding and all those things, it's complete nonsense. It's nothing. Why would beings that are so advanced technologically and in their morals, if we believe the original stories of the contactees, right. why would they have to run tests on something that they have outgrown themselves already? Mm -hmm. you know, it's it it just doesn't make sense. Do you think and you know? Um all religion aside, do you think that some of our DNA is based with I'm, I'm sorry, your, the sound uh, dropped. Could you repeat, please? Um, you know, all, all, all religion aside, because I know people have their own religious beliefs and all that, but uh, like you're saying, you know, what, why would they want to mess with us, you know, do testing? Are you saying that, or the way I feel with what you're saying is that the possibility that we are alien-based to begin with, that we've got alien well, you know, DNA in us already, so there's no reason for them well, to test, right? You know, if life is universal, what is right. alien? Who is alien? Uh -huh. We're part of the same brotherhood, human brotherhood around the universe. In, uh -huh. in uh, chapter five in my book, Exhibit 5, I show how, you know, I, I use a headline of an article that Adamski published in 55, I believe, uh, saying uh, uh, human beings exist throughout the universe. Well, recently, um, evolutionary biologists have come to the same conclusion mm -hmm. um, through, you know, the theory of uh, evolutionary convergence. Uh, the insight is growing that where carbon-based life occurs, wow. uh, evolution occurs, right. um, and it follows most likely the same path, very similar path as it has on Earth. So the result, uh, more likely than not, are beings that are very much like ourselves. What is alien? Alien is what goes against you know, the human heart, what goes against the, the golden rule uh, to treat others the way we ourselves want to be treated. That is alien. Mm -hmm. okay. um, and and, and the, a false sense of separation, that is alien. If uh, anyone who teaches us or tries to convince us that we are separate and we need to compete 
for a living or for our place under the sun, that is alien to who we really are. And, and that is the core of the message from the original contactees. Why, you know, why in the 19, throughout the 1950s, none of the contactees in their accounts, whether in the States or, or in other countries, have none of them come forward with the story, oh, I was abducted. It's because it didn't happen. Right. You know, it, it, was, it was invented uh, to scare and confuse the, 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 the public uh, because, you know, the, the, uh, the essential message is we are human brothers and sisters. We are a brother's keeper in the sense that we need to look after each other and the planet. Um, and if we, mm -hmm. you know, if, if we don't do it, um, we'll, we'll just uh, uh, compete ourselves into oblivion. Do you think there's ever? Do you think there's ever going to be a day where people look? You know, everybody can look at uh, his photos and say, "Oh yeah, th that's real stuff." Or do you think there's still going to be debunkers out there? Um, I think um, there's a nice quote that I use in my book. Um, you know, new new scientific notions um, do not become mainstream because people have been convinced, but because the old generation dies and the new generation grows up with. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe the same will be true for uh, for Adamski's photos and and the other the accounts of the other contactees. Um, it's a, it's a matter of uh, of time, and also I believe you know this is such a crucial time in the in the history and the evolution of humanity, um, as I outlined before. Um, and and the extraterrestrials are not just they're not here to save the world, but they're also not here to you know just for for fun. And to see how we uh, destroy ourselves um, as, as spectators, they are here to help. They've been helping us in terms of, you know, uh, also by accounts of Adamski, but also his main Italian contact, Dr. Alberto Perego, who said the same thing, by dredging the atmosphere of nuclear fallout mm -hmm. that would have otherwise, through all the explosions and tests of the, of the uh, uh, nuclear bombs, and, and the nuclear power stations that have been going on since uh, 1945, um, our atmosphere would have been unlivable on this planet. Right. Um, and uh, so they've been helping and they are here to inspire us um, and also in support of a major event that will, according to the Asia's Wisdom teachings, that will we'll see the beginning of the end of the present confusion uh, for humanity. And, you know, that is that at the end, beginning or end of every cosmic cycle, when there's a new cosmic alignment with, with the next uh, constellation mm -hmm. in, the, in the zodiac, um, new energies um, start coming in or become dominant. Um, mm -hmm. And at the beginning or end of every such cycle, a teacher comes forward. Because we, what we're talking about is the evolution of consciousness. And this doesn't stop with the emergence mm -hmm. of the human kingdom on a planet from the mineral, vegetable, animal kingdom. It continues, you know, it continues to higher and higher states of consciousness. Also on this planet, Adamski describes his contact as very wise and, and, and incredibly, you know, empathetic and, and um, uh, the highest morals and ethics. Well, a similar evolution is taking place on planet Earth as well and has already led to the emergence of a group of 
you know, people emerged from the human kingdom, but who have transcended the human state of consciousness. And in the Aces Wisdom tradition, they are known as the masters of wisdom. And from their midst, in every cycle, a teacher comes forward. Um, right. 2000 years ago, this teacher uh, manifested through Jesus and before him, and there was Buddha and Krishna and, and, and many other Hermes, Hercules, you know, in mythology. And we are now living at such a crucial time that according to the teachers, uh, uh, to the teachings, um, we can expect to see a new teacher for this time. And again, this teacher will not save us. We will have to do the work ourselves. We have created the mess that we're in. But the emergence of this teacher and the presence of the extraterrestrial visitors um, will show us the true nature of life and the true purpose of life. And that will inspire enough people to bring about this this, uh, shift in, in how we treat each other and the world. And it will still be a major struggle you know, to for our survival in the sense of restoring the planet to health and and uh, uh, making sure that uh, uh, you know people are, are fed and and uh, taken care of in terms of medical care and getting education and housing. Um, there's enormous amount of work to do to bring back you know the planet to the state where we can actually begin to grow into this more cosmic consciousness and. In, you know, in the course of the coming cycle, 2000 years, reunite with our uh, cosmic brothers and sisters in the solar system. This is this absolutely fascinating to me, you know, because because your take on this is so much different than what um, a lot of people are saying, you know, the contactees are saying. And I just I just find this fascinating. But it makes a lot of sense because there are contactees that are coming back and, and saying the same things that 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 that, that they're worried about what we're doing to the earth, you know, are we going to destroy ourselves? You know, there's a lot of that talk. And so it's 50, 50, I guess, for whatever people are saying and and what people are going to believe. Yes. Yeah. We have to, you know, we, we are responsible and we have to make our own decision. It's a, it's an individual responsibility to decide, are we, am I going to, um, um, join the ranks of people who want to continue on in the old way of, of competition, increased conflict, eventual chaos and destruction, or will I join uh, those who seek cooperation, um, sharing justice and freedom for everyone, not just for the powerful few um, who then manage to, uh, you know, to uh, control the media and make us believe all kinds of things. Uh, that we are free while we are really stuck in an economic sit, uh, in an economic um, system that is is only set up to squeeze more and more out of working people, um, and uh, you know it's not just imagine at this day in this day and age 2023 over 35 million people are living and working in slavery. And every year we celebrate the, uh, you know, the ab- ab- abolition of slavery. It's nonsense. Right. Um, so, you know, we have to find ways to to cooperate and contribute our talents to the greater good, f- mm-hmm. so that we can secure freedom and and um, um, freedom and justice for everyone, every man, child, and woman on this, every man, woman, and child on this planet, 
um, that we see in the golden rule that I mentioned, but we also see it in Article 25 of the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights. You know, every every man, woman, and child has the right, just by by you know by dint of being born in the human kingdom, to adequate food, housing, medical care, and education. Absolutely. What's next for you, sir? Um, next will be uh, I'm going to uh, to work on a revised and enlarged edition of my very first book uh, from uh, 13 years ago, which was also about George Adamski. And that's more about his life and his mission. Um, so this latest book, uh, the Adamski book of UFO UAP disclosure, is really presenting very solid um, uh, instances where his information is now confirmed by contemporary sources and of, of authority. Um, my first book is yeah zooms in on the significance of his mission and and uh, yeah it gives more details about his life. Fantastic. How can people find you, sir? Um, I have a website where, you know, I announce new interviews or talks on your books, bgapublications.nl. Okay. Uh, and my books are available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, you know, the usual uh, usual uh, places for uh, when you buy books. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. I learned so much tonight. Thank you. Thanks a lot, uh, Charlotte. It was, a, it was a real pleasure. I enjoyed it. We'd love to have you on again when you know when, when you get that you know new update out. That would be great. Sure, I'll I'll add you to my contact list and and uh, let you know. Sounds good. Well, you have a good rest of the evening then. Thank you, and you have a beautiful day. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, I learned so much, and I hope you did too. Um, if you ever get a chance to Google Adamski, you know, check the photos out because the photos are interesting, especially you know the the if you come across to be able to compare them with uh, the video from the from, from the navy plane all right tomorrow 6 30 p.m pacific we're back it's it's casual friday uh nancy Matz is going to be with us and we're going to be talking about attachments and how to avoid getting them so that's going to be another great talk on that topic all right if you like the show share it with five people if you hated the show share it with five of your enemies we are equal opportunity here at california hans radio and we're just trying to get the word out of our show we're like the little show that could and uh, our numbers are really, really strong. Every, every month we're, we're gaining more and more momentum. So I want to thank you guys for that, you know, for, for helping us out to do that. And again, if you're watching from Facebook and you like what you see tonight, please be sure to hit that uh, follow button because we're trying to get as many followers built up as possible. Instagram, come see me at Instagram at GhostyGal, all lowercase, and uh, follow me over there, you know. Uh, same thing with YouTube. If, if you uh, peruse our YouTube page and, and you like what you see over there, please be sure to hit that subscribe button, right? Because uh, we're always looking for more subscribers. Also, like I said, shoot me a thumbs up, shoot me a smiley face, show me some love because the more you do that, the higher up in the algorithm we go, the more people are going to see us. Alrighty, then with that said, I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. with Medium Nancy Mass. Have a great rest of your evening, folks. <laughs>